0: Yes, yes, yes. Okay, just, just fresh, fresh from the oven. Okay.
1: Good.
0: Okay. We're ready. Yes. So, good evening, everybody. We are again here, um, get another uh, Kiron talks session with guests from all over the world. Exactly from Hamburg, Munich, Berlin, um, and <laughs> but but we are internationally minded, and we we are talking about um um the digitalization of society, <coughs> of um learning and of the new experiences we make um, since um, the COVID-19 virus is uh, the world. Uh, Today we have a special guest, uh, besides um, Dominique Orr from Kiran Open Higher Education and Sabrina from SEND, um, the um, Association for for Entrepreneurs and those who want to become some, for social entrepreneurs to be precise, and our special guest, Eli Park, who is a program um, specialist um, uh, for the uh, UNESCO Institute of Lifelong Learning. And um, we start, as usual, with a little um, well introduction by each of our participants. I'm as egoistic as I am, start. Um, there's a really interesting experience today because, you see, um, uh, we take ourselves also very importantly, but I think if everybody would have died now from the virus, and nature would have taken over uh, quite quickly, uh, and without much of a fuss. I was a few in our house um, in Brandenburg, on the countryside, um, and now I came back home today um, to, well, deal with the things that I can't do from there. And um, I have a little wind, I have a bed that is up, up, upstairs, Mm, well, it's it's a high bed, and uh, in the corner of the bed is a little window, which I like to open when I sleep, so I have the fresh air directly beside my head. And this little window is usually a little bit open. I was away th- three days, four days or something, and now uh, I just noticed that there was a, a, a pigeon trying to get in, <laughs> and I, I um, hushed it away, and then I went up to look, and. <laughs> it was. It has construct. It was about to construct a little nest in the corner of the bed, which had already carried some of the little uh, sticks and, and branches, <laughs> and was about. Imagine one week later, I would have had a, a pigeon family uh, in my <laughs> uh, in my house. Yeah. Uh, well, very uh, very philosophical. Okay, <laughs> so Zhonghui, you are our um, our new guest. So please um, tell us something about your work.
2: OK, so uh, yeah, OK, my name is jong Park. Thank you for the introduction. Uh, so I have been working at UNESCO uh, since 2011 uh, as the ICT education specialist. I lived in Bangkok until uh, October last year, and I found it very different uh, living here in Hamburg from Bangkok. Um, Uh, I'm a mother of two kids. Um, I'm experiencing as a parent how online learning and COVID-19 has uh, affected to the learning. And uh, originally I'm from South Korea and I'm closely watching what's happening with the online uh, school opening and all these uh, things that uh, Korea uh, is doing in response to the COVID-19 crisis. Is that That's (laughs) you know, oh, that's <laughs> that's,
0: uh, that's wonderful. Um, did you did you experience uh, also something strange or new in the last days?
2: Uh, okay, let me think. Uh, no, uh, actually, not really. But I'm really really tired of my own cooking by now. <laughs> I cook like three meals a day for myself and my family, and I'm sure my uh, family is also sick of my own. <laughs> <laughs> my cooking they they want to eat out but there's no option so we so i i really hate instant food you know i'm really really uh how can i say particular about what to eat but now i you know care anymore i just buy instant pizza and then and, and eat those things and yeah that's a change but other than that uh, not not really i'm i'm actually enjoying teleworking and spending more time with my family hmm. oh
0: uh, Dominic, um, um after um, Sabrina's uh, self-introduction, uh, please tell us in two words again something about Chiron, because I'm not sure that everyone knows what it is. Sabrina, hello.
3: <laughs> hi. Um, hi, everyone. So, I'm Sabrina. I also do work at Chiron, but I'm also the board member of the Social Entrepreneurship Network. And I'm excited that we have those sessions now every week with exciting guests like you today. Um, and I think, I mean, living in solitude, <laughs> apart from the cooking that we do now at home, um, I would say my crazy thing is that I will now walk the talk um, as we talk about Live a, and um, decided to finally sign up for that Elements of AI course. Um, because with less events going on and with no traveling through the city of Berlin, um, there's a lot of time left over in the evenings um, to do something like that. Yeah. Dominic, now tell us more about Chiron. <laughs> I think it's
1: actually, you, you, um, you made a nice comment, Sabrina, because I think that's very much to do with the Chiron situation. All of us who work for Chiron are now basically uh, walking the talk because basically for Chiron, our goal is to help um, refugee students right across the world um, to get new learning opportunities. And we do that through digital learning. So in mm. fact, the, what our offer is to try and think of how can we make a, an interesting educational environment, a learning space for, um, for our learners who come onto our platform. But essentially, all of these learners are somewhere in, um, uh, in a little room somewhere or in a bigger room with lots of other people trying to learn these courses at the same time. And I find that really quite interesting because, of course, we've always concept when we've been de- designing our work, but now all of us are le- totally living this situation. Um, so I'm hoping in a way that this will help us at Chiron as well to understand better what challenges our students have. Um, and that's why also I'm super keen that we've got this Chiron uh, Talks um, uh, season kind of started now because it always gives us an opportunity now to talk to other people about aspects of um, the learning experience which are very interesting for us at Kiron, and hopefully for other people who are listening as well so I'm super happy to have uh, Young V here also I know her very well we've worked uh, together uh, UNES- with UNESCO and um, the way I actually got Young V here is because we were both bothered by a colleague from UNESCO um, within the last week who said, quick, I need to, I need to get a, a note ready for distance learning. Can you actually help with some ideas and uh, with some editing? So um, that's how we've been in contact. But I'm super happy that you're here, Yongvi. Thank you. Yeah.
0: Yongvi, this is the thing. Um, um, Dominic talks about um, learning online And Mm -hmm. I was just also thinking and we have been discussing um, to be able to learn online, you already need to know something that is means you need to know to press the right Mm -hmm. buttons. Right. So Mm -hmm. the digital skills themselves are already something that um, the the students of what age ever. So um, um, you're from Asia, you're from South Korea. um, are they are the um, Asians already born with the ability to um, to push push <laughs> the right buttons?
2: <laughs> well, I mean um, that's um, we we actually uh, thought about these digital skills long ago, and then it's it's not just uh, anymore how to click the buttons anymore because if you think of Corona situation, you know, so. Um, you don't have to click anything. You just have so many information coming into you if you have a smartphone, right? And uh, it's more like how you can evaluate the information, how you can use those information, how you can information, and how you can participate in that kind of discussion as a digital uh, citizen, right? So, um, my previous work in UNESCO Bangkok office, which uh, supports forty-six member states in Asia Pacific, all the way from Iran and sa- Central Asia to the small island countries like Cook Island and Solomon Islands in the Pacific, we were actually uh, having a lot of requests from our countries. They say you. Look, we know uh, digital skills are very important, but we know also digital skills uh, shouldn't be a goal because nowadays young people know how to use it, but they probably don't know how to use it responsibly and safely. So they asked us uh, many times, how can we ensure that our kids, our children are actually using technology in a responsible and safe way? So then uh, we did some study you know, in uh, Asia Pacific, and um, we try to come up with some framework for the government to use, right? So those uh, framework for digital citizenship are five domains. Uh, One is digital literacy, what you are talking about, you know, uh, the, the digital literacy is basic traditional digital skills. And then the other four others are something that you need to be a digital citizen. For example, digital safety and resilience, digital um, participation and agency, digital emotional intelligence, and digital creativity and innovation. So those are the five, and then we provided some tools to measure that. And we had to test whether the tools are working. So we did the test, pilot test with 5,000 students in Asia. Uh, those countries are Bangladesh, Vietnam, Fiji, and South Korea. So uh, those four countries participate. in the pilot. And what we found is really interesting. Um, I told you five domains, right? Uh, can you, uh, I'm just testing you whether you were paying attention to me. <laughs> <laughs> So, the five domains, can you guess which domain uh, was the highest uh, score?
0: Uh, high, high in, what, in, what, in what sense?
2: So, highest competencies. Uh, first of all, do you think all these four countries, you see Vietnam, Bangladesh, Fiji, and South Korea, they have very different IC development status, mm. right? Do you think the patterns of the competencies are similar? Of those four countries, first of all.
3: Well, maybe in the digital emotional intelligence, I would say, but I don't yeah. know. I mean, like, I really don't know.
2: I'm Good not. Good t- try. <laughs> That's
3: something that people usually have in common, right?
2: Right. Right. Yeah. Good try. Okay. I mean, Dominic, <laughs> you know. Yeah. So I would think,
1: often with these kind of things, uh, when we talk about digital literacy, it's uh, on a very low level. It's things like. Can you save a file? Can you um, mm-hmm, move a file mm-hmm. from yeah, exactly. one place to another? So I am written. Everyone can do that. Not every, every so everyone who's had access to a device. Mm. But of course, I'm always thinking of my nephew. My, my one of my nephews is. Uh, he's going to kill me if he's listening now because I, <laughs> I can't remember his age. Uh, I think he's he's fifteen, <laughs> let's say. Uh, <laughs> But let's see. okay. Let's say, for the sake of argument, probably he isn't, isn't watching. Um, uh, he's grown up in a world where it, kind of his experience of digital has been a smartphone. And on a smartphone, mm-hmm. mostly you're not doing much apart from opening a couple of things. You might be installing, a, if it's about installing an app, you can install an mm-hmm. app. But if it's mm-hmm. about like change, probably even there it starts getting... Weaker. So I would expect, though, of all of those, probably the literacy or, like, yeah, I, my guess, literacy scored highest.
2: Okay, Tino, would you like to try? Did you listen? Well, uh, no,
0: uh, yeah, <laughs> but but I have so many uh, other um, associations um, uh, that I I wonder. I've also a stepson who is um, uh, 17 now, and he's mm-hmm. also very much um, into his his, his, his um, smartphone. Mm. And uh, his his skills to use the computer, which he has, um, mm. are actually not so high yet. Mm. And um, he's well, maybe he's not typical, but maybe he's normal. And um, these these skills uh, ca- go together with other skills. Mm-hmm. Something that is dependent on the computer This is how to organize yourself, how to That's uh, look totally at true. topic. Topics or tasks um, mm. uh, in a s- systematic way, and mm-hmm. so no, I'm I'm I have no guess. I'm I'm very curious. Of course, I suppose that in South Korea these um, uh, abilities are most advanced because it's the country with with, with the highest technological uh, economy. Mm. Uh, um, but no, no, I don't know. You yeah. tell me. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Yeah, so it was quite, uh, quite surprising, actually, it's a surprising, interesting in a very good way. uh, Because these four countries, we we intentionally chose those four countries uh, to see whether the ICT development status affects the skills or the competencies Mm -hmm. of the kids. Uh, Surprise, really common patterns across all four countries. And then the highest competencies that the, the, the students show was digital safety and resilience. Wow. And the lowest competencies that they showed was digital, uh, digital creativity. So that tells, mm-hmm. uh, we just uh, try to understand why and we, pro, we, we kind of, uh, how can I say, we've inferred that uh, uh, probably our education system mm. focuses too much on the safety issue. Mm. Okay, internet safety, digital safety, and we try to kind of uh, uh, try to prevent uh, our kids from using those unsafe uh, contents mm. or, or insecure uh, connections and all those kind of things. But we do much less. Probably much less than we should uh, on fostering creativity and innovation in mm. the digital space. Yeah, it's it's same same with all four countries, even you know Korea, Bangladesh, Fiji, uh, and and, and uh, Vietnam. So that was quite interesting findings. And uh, you you just talked about these uh, access issues. Um, uh, you see, if if uh, any kid has an access to the devices, they would know how to do it, right? Uh, another surprising thing that we actually found from the study was as many as 10% of the Bangladesh, Bangladesh and 8% of uh, Fiji kids who responded to the survey we we surveyed 15 year old kids. By the way, it's not uh, Dominicans' age, but we yeah. we uh, surveyed 15 year old. At age of 15, they this 10 percent of the kids uh, in Fiji and Bangladesh has never exposed to any of those devices, mm. any. Mm. Um, and also our correlation uh, shows that uh, this uh, exposed. The devices are positively related to the scores of the competencies, uh, which is very natural. So, uh, digital devices still exist, and it's actually very worrisome when we are talking about this online, nationwide online school opening, right? Um, But that's uh, that's
1: what I was thinking. That uh, this is very interesting because you're right. I mean, I'm thinking now also at a bit of a situation that I would know in Germany as well. There's kind of focus on yeah, we have to protect the children from um, from the distraction, etc., mm. from from uh, mobile phones, um, and then we have to talk a lot about um, uh, privacy, data protection, etc. We're in a situation suddenly now, right across the world, where we're having this so-called online pivot where it seems that exactly these topics have gone out the window first. <laughs> mm. Because mm. everyone's like, doesn't matter, let's just make it happen. And it's really interesting because in a way, at the time when the, um, where the, kind of the, the dynamic of having to use des- devices or not was rather low, somehow then it was much easier to talk about, be protective about this, we need to be super careful. And suddenly, now we've got to a phase where everyone's supposed to use these devices because, or use the internet, use all sorts of different software. um, Often, because of the things that uh, the software that one would like to use, and I'm thinking particularly of video, um, that one is is so um, overused at the moment that you've got no access, so you're using Hmm. an alternative. So it's interesting. This whole kind of safety thing has suddenly in this phase got out the window so i think that's going to be interesting because that somehow has to come back
0: because it it is a key topic. so there's another there's another there's another aspect that that uh, that uh, pops up in my mind um i made a report once about south korea um when the olympics were there the winter olympics mm. and um this was about the schools and the way um the students learn there and not only the students also the end of a very very high pressure They are learning Mm -hmm. these 15 hours a day, these things that are unbelievable here in Germany. Mm -hmm. So um, when you talk, uh, Zhonghui, with creativity, I mean, is this a Mm -hmm. question that you can ask only looking at the the technical devices? I mean, the creativity that means uh, to combine things that haven't been combined before um, would be only um, a question when you have the time and the environment and the partners and the friends and the tasks that would invite you to do so. While when you are only um, supposed to learn the stuff, the material um, and, and the quantities to um, um, to make it uh, over the exams, how can you expect of someone uh, to be creative? So, how is really the um, um, the relation of the students to the technical devices in the context of their schools and their um, their life?
2: Um. I mean, uh, you're definitely right. You know, there is uh, little room left for creativity and innovation uh, to be in place uh, when when you have these long hours of school of work and uh, high pressure for the college entrance exam and everything. Uh, so actually, it's it's one of the top priorities for the Ministry of Education of Korea how to actually foster the creativity. Um, it's I think it's it's kind of a cultural. Uh, roots that we have. We have this kung uh um, philosophy about study, right? Mm. Uh, which is nothing wrong, but uh, it's uh, very much uh, memorization-oriented, knowledge-oriented, rather than uh, applying or creating something. Uh, in the past, actually, there was uh, key competencies, you know, like memorization and reciting and and those kind of things would be the case in the like, uh, previous century. But now uh, we need to have somebody, some people who can actually apply and regenerate and change those knowledge into something uh, useful, something uh, relevant to the, the issues or problems that we are facing uh, and then we will face uh, in the future. So, uh, that's, that's a big issue, uh, also in, not just in Korea, I think in many East Asian countries, uh, in, uh, those who are affected or influenced by the, this Confucius, uh, philosophy. Um, yeah, um, is that, uh, the answer to your question? Sorry.
0: Well, yeah, well, I think it, in, in 10 hours, it can't be answered in 10 hours. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's, very cu- it's, it's, it's very curious. So once mm. again, um, this um, study you have done about the dig- digital skills of the mm. um, students in these different countries, why was this study done and with what purpose?
2: Yeah, so that's a good question. Because uh, as, as I said at the beginning, uh, we, uh, at UNESCO, our main purpose is actually to support developing countries and try to connect uh, between the developed and developing countries Mm. in a productive way right and uh, in many developing countries just starting to introduce this ict to young people and some countries uh, they many many countries actually have uh, access to devices uh, by young people without pre kind of pre-preparation For them to know what they should do, what shouldn't do, and those kind of things. And now many countries are actually facing an issue with this online bullying, online uh, hate uh, speech, and all these kind of things. And uh, so many countries in Asia, they actually approached us because uh, unlike other regions, Asia uh, is for IT companies, private sector, it's a big market. Right. So all the devices are coming in now, young people, uh, old people all has these smartphones. And now the government is quite uh, having a big concern about how to actually uh, educate people to use uh, technology in a, in a responsible way. Uh, but we so we try to find a, a way to guide the government, but most of the frameworks uh, so far is developed by developed countries like EU has one uh, and uh, it has their very good uh, framework, um, digital citizenship framework. And many, many, Australia has one, but we tried to kind of um, fix it to see whether it can fit into the developing country context. We couldn't uh, do that. So we, uh, we said, okay, then let's, develop one to be inclusive of all the countries, uh, no matter what the ICT development status is. Um, and another reason, is, uh, as I said uh, in the findings actually, but way before uh, we, we kind of realized from the review that uh, many of the frameworks are focusing too much on safety issue. Mm. Uh-huh. And so we don't see the balanced uh, approach between the risk and opportunities. For us, you know, ICT is like a fire. You know, you have to learn how to use it. You cannot live without it anymore, mm. right? Yeah. Um, and we have to, we cannot really take the ICT away from our young people. Then we are taking away uh, opportunities from the young people and they wouldn't allow it any, anyways. Mm. Right. So uh, then how to use fire in a responsible and productive way. That was our main uh, main uh, issue, Uh, but not just focusing on safety issue, but how to use fire in a productive and effective way uh, uh, using the the maximum potential of the fire or ICT. Mm. Right. Mm -hmm. So those are why we started the study. And uh, I also, you know, from the research background, I know research shouldn't stop at the research, right? Because so many research papers are only read by uh, the researcher, her himself, and the spouse of the researcher. <laughs> <laughs> so we we uh, try to uh, make the research into the policy. How we can do that is to actually work with the ministry and government together. So we right. uh, make it make the framework very practical. Uh, I can actually to the YouTube yeah, later. Uh, yeah. So any researchers, any governments, anybody who wants to use this framework and 104 questionnaire, 104 question questionnaire, uh, you can download freely from our website and you can use it. It's all statistically valid. And uh, after these four countries piloted. Uh, the words went out, and now uh, seven more countries are actually using it at the national level to uh, measure or ass- assess uh, the digital citizenship competencies of their children.
0: Mm, mm. Yeah. Mm. Um,
1: uh, Dominic? Yeah. Just one second, because I would have a question for Young V, and it's mm-hmm. related to mentioned, which is, and we've talked about it a little bit, which is um, that we found that the that you found in the study that the students were kind of weakest when it came to creativity and innovation with digital. Uh-huh. And I'm yeah. wondering what the situation is now in South Korea. So now yeah. you said you yeah. said the government has this focus on trying to foster creativity. Now suddenly yeah. there's this huge movement where everything has to go digital. Are they yeah. using this momentum to actually? Be creative about a solution, or what? What are they doing in this situation?
2: Um, it's actually quite hard because uh, in in Korea at the moment, um, as uh, as Tino you just said, Korea. Uh, you read something, uh, some some uh, article about Korean education system. It's it, it's it's big. Yeah, you wrote it. <laughs> it's it's a, it's a big uh, pressure system, right? So Korean government and parents, they will do anything to reopen the school. For them, uh, it's mm. it's not the virus anymore. It's the education <laughs> that matters for them, right? So um, in, in Korea, every school from K to 12 start on the same day, the 2nd of March, mm. it's from oh. like 40 50 60 years ago i i were i went through that that uh, as a current citizen so every school from K to 12 starts on the 2nd of march and the pandemic Korea, in february mm. so the school couldn't open until last week and uh, we delayed we postponed uh, the open of the sc- opening of the school until last week but of course, I said, as I said, they cannot wait anymore. So what the government did nine school opening, uh, starting from uh, last week, a week ago, starting from uh, seniors of lower secondary and up. Okay. So um, it's only grade nine and 12 in the in, uh, European system. And so it's kind of a pilot to see whether it works Uh, And then yesterday, actually, uh, the whole school from grade four to 12 is now open. Um, And um, I think the government really did a lot of work to do this, right? Um, They didn't just open uh, we thought about this ino- inequality, we thought about the server capacity and everything. So, uh, for example, the city of Seoul and many other cities in Korea, they already made how many kids don't have the devices, how many kids don't have Wi-Fi access and everything. So for the last two weeks, um, they put all the efforts to give the devices out and, and, and everything. So. Now we are in. We are kind of uh, sure that everybody has device. Everybody has Wi-Fi access or internet access. The problem, I think, is uh, the Ministry of Education or the government overtrusted the capacity or over over um, relied on the IT and less logical side or teachers empowering teachers side. Right. So what happened yesterday was um, the Ministry of Education, they kind of uh, tried to use the same traditional uh, way of teaching into the online. So the kids have to stay in front of the hours a day. Right. And so they start at the same time. So yes, the day before the Ministry of Education just said the server is ready for five million students at the same time to access. Wow. That's, that's enormous, mm. right? Um, and they said they are sure it's, it's gonna work. Yesterday, it didn't work. <laughs> so it, the, the actual number was 300, three, not even five million, but actual number was five, three million and uh, the system, many parts of the country collapsed. And uh, my friend anecdotally told me after one hour Uh, This uh, boy is grade five, after one hour, uh, nothing worked. So he just enjoyed the rest of the day doing nothing. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so I don't think at the moment, the Ministry of Education is thinking about curriculum, creativity, all these things. Mm. They just have to open the school first. And that's, I don't know if that's the right way, but that's better than nothing um uh, but i'm i'm sure there are still a long way to go for the ministry of education to kind of uh, try to still foster those creativity and innovation of the kids mind using this online uh, school system but at the moment i don't think it's it's really over their head i don't think they have uh concern or they have any room to think about this creativity at the moment they just have to to check the attendance of the kids <laughs> whether they are there.
0: Uh, Jonghui, but um, also I mean the, the the kids in South Korea, um, they are also going all of them to private schools afterwards. Yeah, So there yeah. are I don't know there are so many in 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 um, in the capital and elsewhere. Um, I suppose that these schools um, um, have um, found their individual solutions, don't they?
2: Yeah, the thing is private schools are closed, the, it's, it's banned now, so uh, they, yeah, they are banned because of the coronavirus uh, pandemic. So uh, yeah, certainly all the kids, it's another concern. So I read this morning the news article from Korea that uh, the parents are actually begging um, the Ministry of Education to open these private schools. 'cause uh the online school for these parents are not working. And they uh, want they don't want the kids to lag behind in terms of their learning skills, uh, uh in terms of the curriculum coverage. So they are some of the parents are actually begging uh the ministry to reopen this crime school, we we call it mm-hmm. tutor school. And uh I don't think the Ministry of Education will say yes, because that would be you know, uh, it will be very risky to have this crime school packed with the kids. You know, uh, they stay until like 1 a.m. Hmm. there to study. So, uh, yeah, but uh, at the moment, uh, the private schools are all closed.
1: I mean, the interesting point about I mean get... that will be, sorry, uh, Tino, I will come, I will answer a question for you, but uh, the interesting point about that is these CRAM schools, they've always played a very important role in many of the Asian education systems, but we also mm-hmm. know them in other countries as well because their role is to prep very important university entrance exams. Mm. So, or, or sometimes it's even for earlier, it's uh, for the change from lower secondary into upper secondary education. But mm-hmm. um, the interesting point will be that will mean that a whole kind of cohort will come very differently from these high-stake exams. So I wonder if there'll be a, a knock-on effect on how the high-stake exams are organized, because that would be the natural consequence.
2: Mm. Yeah, so that's, that's exactly the biggest concern at the moment uh, of all the parents in the upper secondary. And the ministry already announced that the, the high-stake exam or, or the college entrance exam, SAT of Korea, will be uh, postponed for a month. So instead of November every year, it will be December this year. Um, and uh, actually, uh, not just cram school thing, but also uh, I just talked to my uh, parent friends in, in Korea who said actually uh, she's sending her kid to a public school, but a private school or um, a more, I mean, prestigious school, they are much better prepared for this and then because of the pedagogical practices and everything, uh, professional development of teachers in private schools and all this, um, the kids there are not, not uh, feeling any difference in this online school situation. Mm-hmm. So that uh, parent was actually quite worried about this uh, widening inequality between public school kids and then pu- private school kids because of the teaching skills and pedagogical approaches of the of the teachers.
3: Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. And that comes a bit back to what you said before, right? That, I mean, the key is that innovation and creativity mm. is, um, and how to teach that because... I feel that's also the biggest challenge, right? Like there are so many opportunities, like especially for marginalized groups and everyone who usually wouldn't have had the access, right? But mm-hmm. now with all those digital tools and with digitalization in general, they're there, right? It's a bit the question of like, how do you um, use that fire as you called it before, right? And create mm-hmm. a block so you can actually handle it or you can actually do something with it, right?
2: Mm-hmm. Right. Um um yeah i i had a one comment on that and now i forgot It will come back so yeah, come back.
1: <laughs> tino you yeah. wanted to all the time and i kept on interrupting you
0: uh, well there's there's uh, two two lines of thoughts here on one hand of course you cannot expect from if, if the teachers aren't and if mm. the schools uh, don't offer um the um the opportunity the technology um uh, the the pedagogical uh, setup to um, to use it well but um, i think we were talking about this um this study and the results of knowing some basic, mm. basic findings there and we would learn about um, the students in asia do you uh, first of all what would you learn about the digital skills that you maybe didn't know before and then maybe, um, do you have a comparison? Would you say specific about them that you wouldn't apply to Europeans?
2: Mm. Yeah, it was a bit choppy when you were talking at the beginning, but uh, I think this uh, this framework actually the findings can be totally applied to any countries um, uh, in European countries as well. I don't think, if you look at the young people, I don't think there will be too much differences in, in terms of digital skills. Um, as, as Dominic at the beginning said, uh, digital skills are those very basic skills of saving the files, files, copy and paste and those kind of things. Uh, what I would like to see actually, uh, if I have a opportunity to do the study in European countries is actually that, uh, digital, uh, participation agency. Because mm. in Asia, actually, we are uh, again from this Confucius uh, philosophy. We uh, in a school, we are taught not to interest, not to say anything to the teachers, and uh, we are good uh, students are always listening rather than rebelling or challenging, right? And so it's it was very interesting uh, in these four countries study. Korea is actually uh, mostly the highest in other domains, but participation and agency was the lowest among the four countries. And um, uh, participation and agencies actually was uh, the second lowest competencies of the four countries as well. Uh, That actually uh, probably explains the cultural background of Asia. So I actually want to see if I have an opportunity, whether this digital participation and agency, how to you know, effectively or responsibly participate in the civic engagement in digital space. I want to see actually if there is any difference between European countries and Asia. Mm. Mm. Mm.
0: Dominique, what do you say? What do you think about it?
1: I, what I think is very interesting is um... I was just wondering whether this participation and agency is connected to being creative and innovative. So when you mm. start kind of interacting with people much more, then you can't, you get new ideas, you can develop things together. And mm. um, I actually think this is probably one of the biggest challenges for a digital learning environment, because opportunities is there, as Sabrina was saying, you know, with all the tools, you can create this great kind of interaction between people, but it's normally the last thing about when they're thinking about digital learning. And in a way, what we're seeing with this, with this kind of emergency online learning in the COVID is it's fulfilling all the stereotypes first, which is get the content out there, let's try and just transfer what we know from the normal lesson situation into a digital environment, and then we worry about the other things later. And I'm really hoping mm. that, uh, so that's yeah. why I think this framework you have is is great. And I'm hoping that that maybe help us think about what should be coming later. And so we can actually mm. start earlier, mm. start now.
3: Yeah, just, um, I add another question for you there because what I'm thinking about in that context as well is um, the great opportunity of individualization, right? Because that's usually one of the toughest challenges, um, no matter if you look at university or also in schools, that, you know, like some are ahead slower or some kids are interested in a different branch of one topic. So I mean, in general, that would be um, the best case scenario, right, class um, learning online. And you can give different tasks to different uh, different classmates and individualize a bit the learning content. But in the end, that's maybe, again, a question To actually do that
2: um, in an operational way. Actually, that's what my daughter, uh, who is 12 years old in Germany, uh, she is doing this home-based learning, not the online, like not like Korean uh, way, like 100% online, but she's doing home-based learning. uh, Meaning uh, the teachers are giving uh, assignments through emails, and they sometimes, once a week, they do this face-to-face. Uh, check, uh, whether, where they are at and those kind of things. So my daughter actually told me that one of the biggest perks of this online learning is, uh, learning, uh, at her pace. Mm. Um, so she doesn't have to be pressured by the time and she can always do uh, whenever she wants to do it. And she doesn't have to worry about what, how much others are taking time. Uh, compared to her. So that's actually the biggest perks that she said to me uh, as as a perk of uh, online learning.
0: Hmm. Yeah Um,
2: And also uh, uh, going back to I don't I know we are uh, uh, running out of time but going back to what Dominique was saying uh, in terms of to think later um, and what we have to do it now um it was actually quite interesting when when um dominic is prep meeting for this talk um so it's it's quite uh, amazing to me as is as the asian like in Korea and in Singapore, uh, in China, now we are using this uh, GPS and the smartphone to trace uh, the COVID virus infected uh, patients and try to warn other people uh, not to go around those area. And it's it's uh, quite helpful, to be honest. And uh, I have to say, my parents rely on that information quite a lot because they are old. Uh, they don't wear uh, where the infected people are are gathering, so uh, that's we we found it very useful. But then I s- read an article by um, by a French journalist saying this is total violence of privacy, and uh, actually uh, European countries are accusing uh, these Asian countries, uh, in Singapore, Korea, China, to of uh violating the the privacy but i i don't i really uh, wanna know uh, uh your view about this cuz i i think what comes first goes next should be uh i mean it's cultural view but uh i think people's lives should be go first i think rather than uh i don't know that's that's very uh, very amazing experience so far to me that uh, people found it uh, violating, violence to the privacy, then life-saving. So that was quite interesting point that I take, actually, from this uh, crisis.
0: I mean, well, Zhonghui, you know, um, in, in Europe, and in, especially in Germany, we are mm-hmm. very much, um, let's say, biased um, um, uh, in the media, in the public opinion, um, um, in favor of the United States. And um, there are um, I think uh, un, um, unproven uh, propaganda and, and opinion around that um, is looking for scapegoats and um, enemies actually like Russia and China mm. which is not substantiated and which is um, which, which for which we don't have a lot of um, real proof and, and confirmation and, um, and someone who's really uh, thinking critically wouldn't um, wouldn't say these things things about china without saying first that we are of course all the times um, surveilled by uh, the nsa or by american companies or Amer- the american government that knows so much about even the private phone of our chancellor <laughs> so that um that this um this question that you ask about the opinion about um, the opinion about um, chinese or asian states um, um violating the privacy that is um is not quite um um it a, is a, a serious um it's serious in this public opinion is very much biased there mm. but um i think the reality uh, about the reality of this um we don't know enough to make a to make a proper statement and we would mm. rather be against the russians or the chinese not me mm. but uh, in a, in a general sense um because that's what we get to know that's what we are told um mm. and um, in this sense i can can tell you that um, we are quite we are quite aware of this of this biased information we get here. We don't mention about the life in South Korea, about the life in in, in Iran, and about uh, not even um, of the European countries. Um, um, I was um, ex- um, on Mother now, and we and the news are so um, n- so little. Um, the the range of um, of countries that we got to see and to uh, what we learn about is so tight. Is so is so narrow. Um, and that's um, and that, so the opinion about Asia is is very much um, not based on on a lot of information. I would say.
1: Mm. I mean, coming back to the question of um, whether this this app, app is an invasion of privacy and and if it's the state overstepping a mark, I think I think everyone knows that it's it's a, a very careful balancing act to try and make sure mm. that uh, you develop something which uh, somehow is uh, very carefully anonymous um, and uh, where the information cannot be connected to individual people etc and I think this is a huge challenge so and I think we would tend you're right in, in in many European countries certainly in Germany we would tend to against those kind of things first because mm. um, we're always wary of, of whether the state is overstepping a mark. But I heard um, mm. a nice joke about exactly the situa- same situation where somebody said, if you would give payback, um, if you would gi- give payback points for having this app, mm. so everyone would use mm. it. <laughs> you know so this is we have this problem anyway which is like Mm -hmm. if it comes from something and it's somehow oh no it's just trivial whatever i'm getting some payback points now i can get my next toilet no yeah then people somehow they just drop this whole protectiveness and being careful Mm. and everything and and this is really back to this point that actually digital safety is important Uh Um, but i'm hoping actually that we also get to a phase now where we can talk about digital safe safety really in the context of, of, of really using digital solutions because digital safety, and I think this was a bit of your point, has often been more of an argument of don't do that. So it's mm. a, and, and we know this very much in Germany with not have a mobile phone in your classroom. So no mm. one's thinking, but there are lots of projects um, where it's actually used the other way around on the school level. But there's this mm-hmm. kind of general thing of, like, let's just block things. And that's why I find the mm-hmm. situation we're in really quite interesting, because at the moment we can't block things, because solutions, but it will be mm-hmm. interesting mm-hmm. if what kind of happens afterwards. I think we have to close yeah. in a minute, uh, Tito. Yeah.
0: Well, no, I see still a very long seven minutes ahead of us. So, <laughs> so, so, so Sabrina, please, please, please contradict Dominic, but, but harshly. <laughs>
3: No, I'm not pointing at all, but I feel, um, I mean, of course, it's about the safety, but I feel, again, it's much more about the literacy, right? Because um, in the end, like, one of the key problems we have right now is a lot of um, fake news and uh, Mm. wrong information out there, and I feel that's just contributing to the insecurity, actually, like, the perceived insecurity, even, like, no matter if it's due to health conditions or also due to those um, questions related to data security Mm. and everything. Um, And in the end, it comes down again to, like, how many people actually understand how data is collected, right? And how you can collect it in a way that it's anonymized, for example, right? Or, um, I mean, how you can also liberately decide to donate your data. Like, I've seen Mm. that before, I think it was, I think it's even an app from the Robert Koch Institute where you can um, like proactively donate your data um, mm-hmm. so they can, can gain more information on that, right? So mm-hmm. I think we can only step ahead there. And I mean, that's again a way of um, using knowledge to, to make policy, right? Like people need to actually understand what they're talking about. Mm-hmm. And then I feel there can be like a, a broad consensus, not based on, you know, like a top-down approach, but really like, a, a bottom-up feeling of okay, yeah, that that's what we should go ahead in order to save more people, um, and knowing that it, it won't harm us if we do it mm. in a certain way.
2: Yeah, so. I think that's a very good point. And also, um, when whenever I kind of uh, present this uh, study result, listen, who's listening is usually adults, right? Uh, I'm, I'm, my audience is usually adults. And they're all saying, you know, uh they have problem with these five domains. Mm. You no, know, uh it's not the kids, it's adults uh who have to guide the youngers. Uh, and and those, you know, as, as you just said, um uh, the fake news, um who's who's fooled by this fake news is actually many adults, you know. And uh, they don't really know how to evaluate uh, and critici- uh, critically evaluate the the source of the information, uh, especially elderly. You know, like uh, for example, my my own father uh, who is eighty three. He uh, thinks all all the information written is true, because that's uh, when he was young. Uh, the newspaper is the source of the information, and then. And even, you know, messengers, sometimes, you know, they say they uh, got it from this newspaper, that newspaper, he trusted. And the problem is he, he circulated those information to other elders, you know. And uh, so I, I what I really want to do in my uh, institute, UNESCO Institute for Lifelong Learning, is bring these five domains into the adults yep. and also elderly. And I think elder really needs to know, uh, now AI is with us, right? So we don't know uh, what machine learning is learned, what what kind of things machine is learning from us, from our data, and how they kind of use this data to do something, right? And uh, me as an adult and my father, my mother's generation, they should know what they contribute and Mm -hmm. what are the result of their contribution. Right: So that's that's the next project that I really want to pursue in uh, UNESCO to bring this framework to the adults and elderly. hmm yeah.
1: I think that's so important because it's absolutely right that this is something that always makes me a bit uh, nervous is whenever mm. we talk of girls, we're always talking about making sure the young children have them or the, 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 peop- the, mm. the, the, the kids in schools. but uh, the way right. I see it is. What about everyone else? You know, ev- everyone needs to have these kind of skills, as, as you rightly mm. say. Um, and if they don't, then you get into these kind of debates, which I had recently with uh, my family here, where uh, one of the o- elder generation was convinced that, um, <coughs> that uh, the Facebook messenger is listening to everything you say and is then mm-hmm. creating adverts for that. And of course, it's a bit like a horoscope. If you have those kind of mm. general idea, at some point or other, it will be in some moment in time, it will look like those two things have happened together. And so you say, okay, well, then it must be true. And it was quite a big heated debate we had about the fact that uh, mm. that definitely doesn't happen. I hope.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, digital skills is a, is a wild, uh, a wild, not the well. field of, um, of um, to learn about, it's not only about digital skills, it's about skills, um, it's about the question, what do we want the young people, or what, what do we want ourselves and the um, generation to learn, and um, to, for instance, to let the young people a little bit more alone to learn what they want, would be an interesting um, thing to ask, but not an education minister, of course, <laughs> um, yeah. Um, I find it really fascinating. I hope you can put the um, the link to your study and the results or maybe yeah, the, sure. the abstract to the into the commentary um, section. Hmm. and um, Ms Sabrina, do we know what's going on next week?
3: <laughs> it's always a big secret.
0: <laughs> no,
3: as we just as we just started, um we can't always reveal the guest for next week already up front. Um but I would say we promise to get better at that in the upcoming weeks. But one thing I would say is sure that um it stays interesting because um there are so many different angles and um issue areas to tackle within this wide field. Yeah, so stay tuned and um watch out on Twitter and LinkedIn, I would say, for all the updates.
1: I would also say that well, we're also quite open. So if anyone's got any yeah. suggestions that they think we should be talking about a particular topic uh, or a particular just uh, recommend it to us and we'll see what we can do.
0: Flor, um, uh, Dominic, this is a thing I just need to ask, because I didn't look, I didn't find, I didn't know, where is the, our, our talk online? How can you find it? And um, last question, please, from my side. Uh, um, when we had the talk last week, were there uh, comments or questions? And, and what did you see? What, what, um, how is that, uh, the reaction?
1: Uh, I'll tell you two things on that. So, firstly, the main place to look for um, to see uh, the, the previous talks and also the upcoming talk the Kieron uh, the Open Higher Education channel on YouTube. Um, and uh, we have been looking at the viewing figures. So they're looking quite good. So we can probably tell you more about them maybe next week. Uh, maybe we can even start analyzing them soon, which would be very nice. Um, <laughs> and uh, people are welcome to comment during, um, during our, our talks as well. I can't look at them because I'm a rather kind of back to front way of um, getting this to you.